I'm woken up by a boot in my ribs. I grabbed my side, looked up, and there's Gene October, the singer in Chelsea. Excuse me, Los Angeles, sorry about that. I just tripped over you. Yeah, right. I go back to sleep. I get woken up again by the same boot. Oh, Los Angeles, I'm sorry. I remain cool, being the only Black Flag member in the room, which is now full of Chelsea and crew. The prick starts talking to me. You really don't have any good music in America, do you, Los Angeles? The Dickies and the Ramones. I mean, they are a load of shit, aren't they, Los Angeles? What a drag. I had two Chelsea records and liked them. Hours later, Chelsea is on stage. Gene is talking to the crowd between songs. There are some short-haired hippies from Los Angeles in the crowd tonight. It's Black Flag. I want you to get them. The crowd cheers. Me and Ian walked into the crowd smiling and waving, saying, Here we are, motherfuckers. Come and get us. No one came and got us. We went to London and played at a place called The Rainbow. This was the first gig with The Exploited. I remember going to the dressing room and seeing one of the roadies walking out with our small box of food. He looked at us and told us to come and get it if we dared. None of us thought it was a good idea. We finally go on. The Exploited fans are probably the most thick-headed, moronic, capable of kicking the shit out of you bunch I have ever encountered. They immediately started giving us the Nazi salute and waving their football scarves. I was beyond caring at that point. We just kept out of the way of the spit and did our thing. At one point, I accidentally elbowed Chuck in the head. I opened up a gash in his forehead that took seven stitches to close. There was blood everywhere. I think that made the skinheads actually like us a little. We finish the set and Chuck goes off to the hospital to get stitched up. Ian and I go check out the Exploited and their singer Wadi. They sucked. The skinheads knew every word and sang along. Finally, at the end of the set, Wadi told the crowd that the Jams show had just let out up the street and they should go out and beat up their fans as they went to the tube. The band played a song called Fuck A Mod and the Skins tore out of that place. We later found out that they indeed caught up to the people going home and beat some up pretty bad. One girl got her legs broken at the bottom of an escalator. One paper had it down as black flag violence. That is a 1981 journal entry from Mr. Hank Rollins, as included in the collection Get in the Van. I think he was quite happy to get back to the USA after that little jaunt in the UK. And uh, you're back with the Kings of Punk podcast. Uh, I'm Jake Razor. I'm joined by Hammer. Uh, I'm Gary U.S. Bombs. I can uh, imagine uh, Hank, or good old Henry, wanting to get out of there. Not just for that. I'm sure he was like, oh, I hate eating peas and chips all the time. Bush. Yeah. There is a lot more. There's some other good anecdotes. The one, I skipped over it here for uh, brevity, but he talks about playing with this. At that same show, there was this uh, girl, Honeybane, who was like an anarcho-punk kind of singer. She is a good single. But he said, and Henry, of course, thought this was really cool. This is one of the few positive reflections he had on the UK. This girl came out in like a rain jacket to perform in because of all the spit. That's, That's how much really... spitting was happening. <laughs> Man, they were just really antisocial over there. Yes, they time. were. Yes, they were. And uh, that's something we're going to be exploring today. Uh, this is an episode that I've been preparing for for a little while where we are tackling the phenomenon of UK82, as it's known. Yes. A subgenre of punk that uh, I think we've all been hearing about since we first got into punk. But uh, I want to kind of dig into what the fuck that term means, 
really this started because I was bothered by that term and I thought it didn't totally make sense to me and I've always kind of been bugged by it. Yeah. But what was, what, I guess when you guys, oh, a few plugs too, by the way, this is your first episode. As you can tell, we're very professional. Uh, Kingsofpunk.com, Pot official on Instagram, Pot on Twitter. Go over there and tell us we're wrong about everything you're about to hear. Uh, I know British people love to do that, so. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, you, it, you forgot uh, Devin McSwanky of uh, the, the the bungalows, you know, the great UK 82 band. You didn't you even know. mention Giz. You didn't mention Shag. Shag and Giz with tops. <laughs> yeah, kingsofpunk.com. It's a great website. Um, <laughs> it does feature, if I recall correctly, stock photos of some very UK 82 looking punk rockers that I found on a stock photo website, which is one of the reasons I want to do this episode, because interestingly... Although, in my experience in the punk scene, the people I've known that were really into, for instance, the exploited, have always been a minority. In the public imagination, the image of a punk rocker is, to a T, what we would now call the UK82 look. The big mohawk, the studded jacket, etc., etc. The glue, the glue hoffing. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, I got statistics. But, yeah, it... um. That's, like, very strong in the public imagination, very strong in, like, f- our understanding of fashion, but uh, especially in the corners of the punk scene I've been in, it hasn't always been, like, the dominant taste. It's always been considered kind of uncool. So I'm curious, I guess, to start what, especially when you were coming into the punk scene, what your impression of this stuff was, how you came to even know what this is, I guess, both of you guys? Well, uh, hard to say. I'm trying to, I'm trying to look back, take it back, you know the time machine back into my youth um i guess british punk like stuff didn't really grab me at first i was very much into more of a, the american stuff i don't know about you tim um because i yeah. know you were a fan of you well, read the i mean i liked both honestly you read the american hardcore book though right yeah see i didn't do that Ah, okay. Um, i'm one of the few not the few but i'm definitely one of those person where like yeah i didn't know anything about punk or hardcore really mm-hmm. when i was getting into it um and i didn't really explore too much beside the general stuff i remember i really liked dead kennedys and like some of the ramones and stuff like that um but i think like discharge was probably a big one mm-hmm. i was really into discharge and then two i guess they're left or right or right you know not even political sense but like subsequent to them there's this band called the Verrukers that I had heard of. And it's like, okay, well, what's this? And they weren't labeled as D beat. I don't think. Cause I kind of liked D beat and crust stuff. Sure. But like the Verrukers is like, Oh, this is, I, I feel like that was one of the early bands I probably listened to that was labeled as UK 82, but mm-hmm. they were more akin to a discharge than some of the other bands. We might talk about than like the exploited or something sure. like that. Sure. Sure. Yeah, no, so. I, th- I think that's Verrukers would be one of the big bands under this label. And what you're saying is true that there's other bands under this label that, at least to our ears, which are well-trained, sound very different from something like the Verrukers. Yeah. I'd so, say uh, another one, too, that we should, you know, shouldn't discount, uh, Chaos UK. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that was a definitely, that was another one that definitely, uh, you know, more getting, first started getting into punk, that was probably one of the bigger british ones i would probably say. You know, yes especially since you guys were into grindcore and stuff and they ended up drifting into that territory i was gonna say actually that you bring up good 
uh, good uh, pointing that out because a big one for me, extreme noise terror chaos UK split. Yeah, Radioactive yes. ear slaughter. Right. One of the first, and it's, it's funny because I feel like the chaos UK side is like better than the extreme noise terror side. I think Chaos UK would have been one of the first bands under this banner that I got into, too, although for very different reasons. They, I, just two things I remember. A little bit later, I started listening to The Inmates, and they had a cover of Victimized that they recorded, so that got me into it. But the first time I heard that iconic song, it was a, there's a documentary that actually a guy from Rochester, Levi, had posted on YouTube. Shout out to him and his YouTube channel. Uh, which has a lot of good stuff on it. That had this little documentary about squatters in Islington, punk rockers, that I think really pointed the germ for even this episode to happen. Shows them walking around the King's Road, charging people to take photos with them, tourists and shit. And it has them in a squat, sniffing glue and drinking, and all just singing the song Victimized by Chaos UK. And I was like, it, just hearing them sing it when I was like 15 got stuck in my head. And I was like, what is that song that those idiots were singing? And I found out and I heard Burning Britain and... Yeah, and around that same time, like not long after getting into some of the early American hardcore, I, th- I think I watched late at night that UK DK documentary, which has a lot of, it's from 82, I think, and it's got some punk bands, it's got some oi bands, it's got, mm-hmm. you know, and that sort of, for me, it was always, I always kind of liked both, even though I was aware there were some differences and maybe I leaned American, towards American stuff a little more so. Yeah. So that's sort of my personal background with this. But what what came to bother me was like, I I think it was because we wanted recently we were going to do an episode about street punk and we probably still will. Yes. But we had to draw a distinction between like we were kind of like questioning like we are now to a degree, like what is street punk or maybe more importantly, where did it come from? Right. Because I don't there's a lot of stuff for you where like the genre is very much like set in stone you can very easily see the delineations like it goes you know the hard rock of the late 60s early 70s turns into you know keeps going turns into like some sort of heavy metal the early heavy metal scene we'll say Mm -hmm. uh which if you didn't know i told i found this out i guess i maybe did the first record that was labeled as being a kind of like being a heavy metal record humble pie I always thought it was well. No, Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf had that is the first one that mentions it. Tim brought that up. Humble know. Pie. It's the guy, the guy who was in um, Peter uh, Frampton. Is that what you're no, that's the he. That's the it, band. That's Humble. But uh, I forgot the guy who mentioned it. He's in that um, uh, Angry Samoans. Oh, Mike. One, what's his yeah, name? Mike the, Sanders. The one because yeah. it's like a, there, a bunch of them. Like we're like metal people and like in doing reviews and stuff. We'll say metal people, um, as metal as you could get back then in the seventies. Mm-hmm. And they were um, like rock critics, right? Yeah. So that was like the first record it was listed, and it's like, oh man. So you get that, then you get like it kind of dies down. You get the new wave of British heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Um, you get like you know kind of I guess glam rock and all that. Then that turns into thrash metal. Right. Very easy delineation. And it, and 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 kind of just goes from there. A lot of times as we talked about before with other genres like grindcore, uh sometimes these genre names emerge at the time, other times they're applied retroactively. Mm-hmm. Uh as you've gotten at the music press plays a role in this. I know oi is a subgenre of music we're going to have to tackle separately but is extremely adjacent to largely overlapping with quote unquote UK82. Oi 
that term as a genre term came from really one journalist for sounds named Gary Bushel and therefore remained relatively well-defined. When you've got a journalist or something documenting in that way, it's maybe can be a little easier to keep track of. Yeah. I know with this genre name, I was trying to figure out where it came from. Street punk, I know, was used by journalists in the 80s to refer to some of the bands we're talking about now. Yeah. But it wasn't used as a genre name because at the time, bands like Exploited, One Way System, whatever, would have just been punk bands. At the most, people would have, there's a thing you'll see in old British papers where they call it the new punk yeah. or real punk, which is even funnier. Yeah. That's just, and I'm sure that's to delineate. It's like, yeah, this isn't that new wave shit that you No, this is from the, the, the boroughs. The this is from the village or whatever. No, in the villages. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I don't think people get that, especially younger people. Like, I've said this before. It, it feels like younger people think that, like, time is a flat circle, but, like, in a literal sense, and that, like, there is no change. Like, what has happened and what we know now has always been known. So mm-hmm. D-Beat was always used to refer to bands that sounded like Discharge, and it's like, no. Like, in Sweden, the, like, bands like uh, Anti-Semics and stuff like that were called, like, Kong Punk. Yeah. That's not DB, but obviously, why why would this a band called Discharge come on? They're like, eh, let's call it. The, it's a Discharge beat. We're inventing a genre. It. We're naming yeah. this. You don't. You can't invent. It's no, like whenever no one... a band is like, we they come up with a stupid name for their stupid music. Right. Oh like, yeah, it sucks. We invented Nintendo Core. Yeah, and like it that only works if like all genre work if other people fucking do and that's, it too. That's kind of the opposite of what like the what we now call UK 82 bands are doing rather they were yeah it is the opposite because really what they were doing to jump ahead a little bit is trying to continue the flame of like British punk that had started in 77 with the Sex Pistols and the mm-hmm. Clash and all those bands and which had you know within three years become completely mass marketed and gone through a whole transformation beyond what we can even get to into here and a lot of people had either fucked off and done their own thing and done post-punk or defected to other youth tribes like the New Romantics or Skinheads or whatever, which mm-hmm. will metal. also... Metal, which yep. we'll also talk about. Um, in, in trying to figure out where the term UK82 came from, it, it did... It, it's There is a exploited song on the album Troops of Tomorrow called UK82. Yeah, I was going to say, there is that. But... As, a, as a genre name, there is a website from 1998 called UK82.com hmm. that claims to have been the first they didn't even they, they claim that that's where this as a genre term started and i'm willing to believe from them. their website yes which i'm willing to believe because 1998 kind of lines up with when people would have started like, saying that 16 years after yeah the, okay I'm, yeah. I'm thinking of like and i i don't want to you know talk about people when i'm not near them i guess that we know like someone like james or something like that yeah he wouldn't have called it he would have called it street punk or yeah, just like punk. But punk, around yeah. like the turn of the century, you get those computers involved. What, then you get into like people like Felix Havoc writing blogs and yeah. stuff like that. So ni- that website being, which the website all it is is a list of bands from this scene, and then like pictures of them and lyrics. I'm willing to believe that that's how this became a genre term. But how would you find that website? If you Google UK82, it comes up pretty fast. It looks like I can't figure out who runs it, but I'm thinking it might be. 
it web, a lot of websites look similar back then, although not as similar as they do now. There's a website that was big for me as a youth called punk77.co.uk, and that looks a little similar, but that website was a lot more detailed. But hmm. if if in in trying to define this this genre, because it is a genre now, even separate from street punk, which we'll get into separately. I think the best way to define this is like versus things that it's not. So mm-hmm. we mentioned Oi, which we're not going to really delve into now, but that had something assigned to it that I think is unique to it. One is the association with the skinhead subculture. Yep. Which you see, again, there's overlap in those scenes, as you can see in that UKDK movie. But I would also say musically, if you listen to a lot of Oi bands, like if you listen to, you know, even Blitz, Comet 84, whatever relatively mid-tempo compared to even something like the exploited or discharge the football chant thing which you hear throughout british punk is like a lot bigger there the one thing that always stuck in my side a little bit is why you and I, i get why you can't but that this wasn't just called british hardcore which it was sometimes, even in old MRR issues and stuff, they're calling it that because there was nothing else to call it, and that's what they called it in America. I've seen old British punk flyers for GBH, Exploited, whatever, where they call it hardcore, but that didn't really catch on. It's like mm. the real punk or the new punk. Yeah, that seemed to be more of a uh, an American uh, phenomenon. We were, the, we were the into the... term. The, okay. Because that became like... Oh, the, the, keep Keep going, I'm sorry. No, I I was this. If you want to interject, you can. But um, what I would put that down to, and we can maybe elaborate on this a little bit more, is if you've and I'm this. I've, I don't want to assume knowledge on the part of our listeners, but I'm sorry. I'm now assuming that you've like read American Hardcore. You're familiar with that stuff. If you're not, you can read it and get familiar with it. If you look at punk rock in America and a. Sp- the music and also, I'm sorry, but it matters here, the aesthetics of like the first, you got the first wave in New York and then you have bands imitating the Sex Pistols. There is definitely a change in aesthetic, demographics, and sound when you get to hardcore. It is a different thing. Yeah, like I feel like that's where it's more, um, it's like stripped down. Yes. And, the, and look, yeah. the look. The yeah. look, and, and they wanted to very consciously separate themselves from Bands like the Sex Pistols and people who were imitating them, etc. Or like the probably even I guess the Exploited, you know, because they I was, were dressing like that. I was going to no, say maybe also like the most part, like older punk bands, like early punk bands, like New York Dolls, Ramones, kind of right. stuff like that. Yeah, to be like, yeah, we're not, we're not playing like dress up or anything, fucking bullshit. Yes, versus the like if you read interviews with decidedly punk bands from the early '80s in the UK. It's similar, but it's different. What they're saying is, no, Sex Pistols, The Damned, all that stuff was great, but they sold out, they abandoned the flame, and were the ones keeping it alive, and we're keeping it real, and, you know, they were art students playing it fucking the streets, but we're really the real deal. And so it's less of a decisive break, and more of, like, an attempted continuation of not just a musical style but like a subculture and a style of dress like we're keeping it alive and we're carrying it even further mm, and yeah. there's less of a separation even though there like also is but they didn't see it that way i also think and and reading through and fi- figuring out where some of these bands f- were from is was a big part of this for me i think punk 
leaving London and getting out to the Midlands and everywhere else in the UK is a big part of this. There were like 77 era bands from outside London too, but were it not for those bands, I don't think you would get to certainly, you know, exploited. We're from fucking Glasgow, like the shittiest place in, in the whole United Kingdom, maybe to this day. And if it stayed in New York City and London, that would have happened. I also, to the point of, you know, what we read from Henry, I it, I strongly get the impression that there there were people in America who cared about British bands. Like when they went on tour, there were like Mohawk guys in America, but people in Britain did not like punks aside from the dead Kennedys. Cause they were, they got some distribution in Britain. Like nobody there gave a fuck about American hardcore. And I think that's really mm. interesting. Right. Kind of like how we were hearing with that, uh, the Henry, uh, yeah. Excerpt right there. You know, it's like, yeah, like, you know, telling people to go beat them up. It's like, it's crazy. And that wasn't the only time they happened there. There were skinheads who came to beat them up. They didn't even know who they were. They just heard oh, they were from America. I mean, that wasn't even in, in uh, that was like all over Europe, I think. Yes, everywhere except Italy where people like them. And and if you think about it, like one th- another thing I was thinking about is we've kind of, because I was trying to figure out why that is other than them just being antisocial, which we'll get to, like there is an, ex- there is a enshrined in rock criticism version of punk history that we kind of take for granted and i'm not saying it's inaccurate but we all kind of get and everybody kind of gets okay it started as this little thing in new york and then malcolm mclaren like prometheus brought it to england Mm. and it blew up if you're from fucking pissford on bumlick shire in fucking england and you're like 17 in 1981 like, you don't know what the band television is. Like, you probably know the Ramones, and you probably think they started after the Sex Pistols. Yeah. So the yeah. Americans would have been the posers, in contrast to what, like, Legs McNeil says now that the British stole punk from them. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Who, who At the end of the day, I don't... I've said it before. I don't like dealing in hypotheticals like that. You know, <coughs> I think people would have fucking rocked regardless, but... uh I think the interesting thing about the UK was like what it was going through on a social political level at the time. Like another big thing is that like the UK is smaller, um, but it's a lot. It's all I mean, London's a pretty big city versus New York City. And like, I mean, to go what's like the next biggest city, I guess, other than like Philly or something like that. Like I I feel like Los Angeles. Yeah, but was, yeah. LA is Los like Angeles. LA is different though. Different though. Kind of but I'm just talking about like major, major cities. Like the U.S. is so much more spread out. Boston yeah. in terms maybe? of like of literal people, whereas like you have a country like the U.K. where a lot of stuff is going. Like it kind of makes sense that it spread the way it did. And like yeah, and come to think of it, in terms of social political stuff, it makes sense they would resent Americans. And, yeah, you know, some of this might echo for people today. Like, this was probably one of the most, like, early 80s would have been one of, probably the second most tense period of the Cold War. Brezhnev was, like, a hard ass, and Reagan was a hard ass, and Margaret Thatcher was also a hard ass. But Who's who's got the song Four Minute Warning? That is Chaos UK. Okay, yeah. Um, and, And, like... Britain, they're closer to Russia than we are. So you have the Americans, like... Uh, doing everything they can to raise the tensions of the Cold War and the stakes of it, knowing full well that, like, we would be the last people to get hit by those bombs. Yeah. And that would 
if I was British back then or any kind of European, that wouldn't make me like America very good. I'd be pretty pissed off. I wouldn't yeah. be happy about it. I would probably maybe even write a song about how I don't like America and maybe like say like fuck them or something like that. Yeah. I'm sure like someone's one of those bands we I'm were sure talking someone's, about. They must have done that. Yeah, before. I think there's a certain gentleman who sounds like Shrek who sang a song <laughs> like that all over the USA. Get out of my swamp. And on on the social political front, I guess we'll we'll get to bands and shit in a second. But I ha- I have some more info on that because it is also UK early eighties, very different from, you know, if you read American hardcore. Now New York City, I'm gonna just count that as a different country, because if you were to look at the stats on New York City versus England for this period or in the late seventies, uh, New York City would be worse. But yeah. like, as far as you're talking, we're talking like crime and such crime, Poverty, unemployment, yeah. everything being fucked up and terrible, like New York stink level, different you know, story. Probably the stink level probably was worse in New York back then. A lot of rats, um, a lot of piss everywhere. I, I guess in for context to today, because America is looking more and more fucked up, like we have allegedly a three point four unemployment rate in the U.S. right now. Now, there's things that skew that, like if someone isn't seeking employment. But in the UK, again, small country, small country. In 1982, the year that the genre is named for, uh, 10.7% unemployment rate. It's uh, one in 10 people. And uh, one in 10 people doesn't have a job. And among youth, it was, I was gonna higher. Say, I was going to say, what's the youth? Probably like 20 plus. I think at one if point. Not it, even like, what, 30? It, it got up to 30 at one point. Yeah. And I'm assu- yeah. by youth, we probably mean like at least 18. Yeah, like, or eighteen like to twenty five, sixteen to twenty five, something like that. Yes, yes, and and um, they one th- one thing about British punk that is different from America. We touched on this a second ago. Like the fashion thing is so much more important there. That's which is the result of you know, but both the U.S. and uh, the U.K. after World War II had a kind of economic boom. Money, people had more money. Young people had more money for a while, and. They, but we dealt with it in different ways. I mean, we didn't really. We we consumed a lot. We did a lot of consumption, which in the U.S. tends to be like very individual. Like, oh, I'm gonna go get my house in the suburbs by myself, or uh, with my family, whatever. Uh, one, but regardless, one of the results of that consumption's consumption, post-war consumption in the U.K. is the rise of these youth tribes that are based around fashion, which we didn't really get here. We had like greasers, but that was not like in the UK, the mods and rockers subculture in the 60s where they were fighting each other or in the early 80s where it was like punks and skinheads and teddy boys and new romantics all and mods, the mods were back, who all like hated each other. Metal. Metal. Metal bikers. Like, and they hated each other to the point of violence. But really the whole thing was, yes, music, but based around like buying clothes. But yeah, like they were serious about it. And and this isn't me and that sounds stupid, but it's not like Americans were better. It's just like we didn't form like little tribes about it. Maybe because we're less collectivist than the UK. I don't know. Yeah, I don't that's a that's really interesting thinking about it, because like it's the US, yeah, with the greaser thing, the, what is the the enemy of the greaser other than like the the general dork nerd person, maybe? I, I don't guess, even know. Yeah. Or like, like a, a, a square. A square, square, yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah, it, I, I don't, I don't think if we went to our grandfathers and there. Were oh, like, actually, I mean, I could think of another group of people. I thought uh, of that too. Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Um, 
maybe we had maybe because we had that that wasn't that big of the, a deal. Our our, our <laughs> urge for conflict was just sublimated into racial conflict. Yeah, oh yeah, we don't way. even That's need to worry about clothes. We can just worry about skin. You know, it's like okay. well, and they had the the football hooligan thing in the UK too, which is also pretty yeah. foreign to us. And instead, we just have either racism or gangs. Yeah. But I don't think you can understand like UK punk without understanding the fashion element and that like youth subculture element that is so it's 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 foreign to us and it doesn't exist there anymore. But it was at the time. And I think that's like their framing of doing punk rock in the early 80s is like very shaped by that. And it's interesting because they'll talk about like not caring about fashion as much as people did in 77. And it's kind of true, like the high fashion element of it from people like Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McLaren and the idea of because those, you know, the way the Sex Pistols were dressed by the people I just mentioned was intended to be like innovative, like they were thinking like fashion designers and and artists in their own right. Of course. And that's why all those bands early on kind of looked different, like the Clash had their own look with the slogans on the suit jackets, whatever. That's gone by the early 80s, and instead this had become, and this is such a cliche, people always say this, it was a uniform. Like, it had gone from, okay, we have this punk explosion in 77, then we have people critiquing it, saying, oh, it's like a uniform that's so lame, and a lot of people drop out, and, like, hardcore kids in the U.S. say that. But by 1982, like, it seems like the punk scene in the U.K. had embraced the idea that it was, in fact, a uniform. Like, even I read an exploited interview where they're, uh, they're slagging off like mod bands or whatever because they're like, oh, they only dress up for gigs. We look like this all the time. And Wadi also says that the swastika is just a symbol of punk. <laughs> yeah, is... it doesn't stand for anything else. No, yeah, yeah, no, Wadi. That's what it represents. Um, what are a, Can you name a mod band? Oh, yeah. Uh, Secret Affair is was like the biggest one the chords are probably my favorite the purple hearts the lambrettas what, what was my i've like never heard of like any of that i've yeah <laughs> nobody know. knows any i gray shout out to gray from demolist and the only person i've ever met who knew anything about this <laughs> wow yeah shout out gray um, they, they the way they sound varies um it is generally like power pop but a little punkier and harder edged Okay. Secret Affair, I think, and there's them and one or two other bands, they try to be more authentic by adding some, like, soul Motown influence because that's what mods... That's, music critics talked about this at the time. They're like, these are supposed to be mod bands, but they just sound like power pop. Like, that's not what mods listen to. They listen mm-hmm. to fucking rhythm and blues. And so Secret Affair was... They kind of blew up because they were a sort of hybrid power pop soul band. They do a little mm. bit of blue-eyed soul. Definitely th- from them, some blue-eyed soul. But yeah, the chords is one I like. I mean, they kind of just sound like The Clash, but... What a weird... That is such a strange... Uh, whatever you want, like a sub that is category of people. Very very important, but very uh, overlooked subculture. The mod slash scooter boy subculture. <laughs> scooter boys. And uh, yeah, one fella who was not a fan of them was uh, Mr. Wadi of The Exploited and his, his followers. Um, I think... This is probably like, I mean, of the like big three or big four, we're probably going to talk about. Exploited has to be like the definitive UK eighty two band, right? Or like yeah, the archetypal I mean, one. They, I would they say are, they are the band with the the song name. They got the song. I, yeah. I would say it's them and GBH. Um, or I mean, honestly, I feel like you could throw Discharge in the like. Again with yeah, the whole you know what? I, at UK the time they were thing, yeah at the know? time but like and I guess it's one of those things where it's like I don't think discharge is 
that much of a D-beat band because they don't... It wasn't Even like in their thing. records, yeah. Yeah, A, it wasn't a thing. And their songs don't stick to just that. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's... You know, they are if you take away like the the I don't see I don't know it's it's weird but it's they're part of it I, they're absolutely part of it I it seems like at the time the the three bands that were sort of standard bearers for this there's other there were standard bearers at the time and have like endured as influences in punk were like the exploited GBH and Discharge and then Verukers would be in sort of the, that's like. If this was, if we were talking about the big three in tennis, uh, Verrukers would be Andy Murray's. If you wanted to say big four, maybe might be two people who appreciate that who listen to us. But, and there were other bands that were big at the time, but were have not like Vice Squad and shit. Maybe we'll talk about them. But those bands, I feel like, have not like continued to make an impact in the same way as those other three that I just mentioned. Vice Squad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no way. Yeah, they don't have it as, as an enduring legacy. I will say, throw another band name out there who maybe influenced in a different way. Uh, Toy Dolls. Toy first Dolls punk band. were pretty big, too. That was the first egg punk band, really. <laughs> Straight up. Vice Squad's an interesting one because they run a major label. That was like a huge band and one of the few ones to come to the U.S. But Exploited, I think really epitomize this whole thing we, we should do a legacy of exploited episode what i would tell people about that band if they haven't really delved in their discography make no mistake it's really stupid and we're probably <laughs> going to put in a clip here of the song where they wadi spells his own band name and that's pretty much the whole song <laughs> that rules it is people talked about american hardcore being stupid sometimes but and i love uk82 and I know not all these people were dumb, but I think the smarter of the punks in the UK headed in what we would now call like the anarcho-punk direction, proto-crusty direction. The stuff we're talking about today is markedly stupid. Well, here's here's the thing I'll say with that. Like, the exploit can be stupid, but not in the way that like, you know, an American hardcore band would be stupid where they like, you know, write a song about like McDonald's or something. Or, you know, maybe to quote a band we did recently, Wonder Bread. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking of. No, you know? that's true. They they are stupid in kind of a uniquely British way. I mean, Brits also have a different that, sense of humor, but that is they, far more endearing to me than like yeah, like that like dumbass like American like. Oof, uh, I, yeah. I guess I guess this is funny. Well, I guess the other thing with the exploited that gave them a lot of appeal is yes, they were stupid, but they were also really tough. Like Wadi. Looks as I think you described him as he looks like a crazy Puerto Rican guy from New York who would stab you. <laughs> and that's accurate. He has that look in his eye. He was an ex army dude. I mean, the coolest thing about that band is that the singer sounds like Shrek. And during their like classic period, they had a guitarist who looked like Shrek. Big John Duncan. <laughs> yeah, Big John. Who's a great guitarist. Dude, his solos and shit yeah. rip. I don't give a fuck what nobody says. Like, it shit's fucking good. He was Kurt Cobain's guitar tech, for Christ's sake. Yeah. And they wrote, like the Ramones before them, like, the songs are formulaic, but they're simple, like, pop song structures and, like... It's 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 good stuff, but I get why not everyone like. I mean, divisive band. Here's a question. Uh, so recently, Demolition of the Patreon did like a six degrees of separation kind of thing. Um, with the exploited, how far into the pop world do you think we can get with with them? 
well, well, I mean, that's a like, big yeah, thing. Just, yeah, like the, the yeah, Nirvana thing. You get the to Nirvana. Kurt Cobain like yeah. immediately, and from there you so can probably get, get to, anywhere you like, wanted. I'm I'm wondering. Dave I was Roll. thinking about it the other day. I was like, how like what's like the most like Kelly Clark? Like, can we get to exploited from Ke- to Kelly Clarkson from the exploited? Like, you think that's possible? She must um, have met Dave Grohl before, right? No, maybe, I don't mean, maybe I don't, like Taylor Swift would be like a bad. I don't mean oh, Taylor Swift to be. Ooh. That'd probably be She's easier. in a lot of hot water recently. For what? She's dating the guy from the 1975 Matt Healy. Oh. And he was on the Adam yeah, Freeland the show. Right. Which but it's that, crazy because it's a center left show. <laughs> um, but he yeah. apparently thought it was still the show Come Town. So. He said some bad things, but <laughs> but that's for another another episode. another episode for them to tackle. Yeah, so could we get exploited? Fucking... Taylor Swift or like okay. Lady Gaga? Could we even do that? Ooh, maybe? You know what? That I feel like be, that would be that doable. would probably be really easy. Actually, yeah. yeah. She I don't know that much about her background, but it, she clearly seems like she would know like punk adjacent people or whatever. I mean, I, I'll just say that I remember um, being in high school and there was like a kid I think a grade or two above us. Who I would see wearing an exploited shirt sometimes. Yeah, they they got them and GBH got some. I mean, you could get GBH shirts at like Hot Topic. Oh yeah, know? I mean, I don't know about the exploited, but uh, yeah, you, I feel. Yes, I'm sure certain stores probably had some. The Punk's Not Dead, like design. Oh, yeah, or like a with right. the evil anything angry honestly, young and poor anything with an evil skull. There's we'll, a review. We'll, there's a great one of our favorites. Mark Prindle wrote a review of Punk's Not Dead. I'm not going to read from it or anything, but I remember what he said is that on the title track when Waddy's saying, or you no, know, he says when he first heard that song on college radio, he loved it, but he due to Waddy's Scottish accent when he when he's yelling Punk's Not Dead, I know. Like Mark Prindle. Loved the song and was 100% sure the lyrics were force your dinner down. Force your dinner down. Like, and I listen, I can't unhear it now. It's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> wow. You can't make out a fucking word of the guy. And uh, yeah, I looked at some exploited interview segments for this episode. It's not really worth quoting from. I mean, if you're familiar with the band, it might be what you expect. And I don't know. They say they believe in anarchy, but they hate anarchist punk bands like Crash. They just don't want the police to tell them what to do. Wow. And they don't really believe in anything. <laughs> And this, there was definitely a lot of tension and animosity between Crass and the bands around them and the kind of band we're talking about today and especially the Exploited. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. They they did they seemed like real shit stirs. Yes, and people accused them of being fascists and they didn't do like the best job of dispelling that <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Well, sure. They did, but they had a song called Fuck the USA. <clears throat> I they, mean... They did do that. But, but they also said, hey, Swazka, it's, yeah, ju- it's that's punk just rock, punk. baby. Literally, it's to punk quote rock, Waddy, baby. The swastika is punk rock, baby. I think with... with <laughs> Direct with, quote. With the exploited in mind, I'm just going to cite my other statistic that I wrote down for this. Um, so, this was hard to get data on. I, could, I found one study done by, like, a British researcher back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I also found a statistic that Vice News cited that they didn't say from where... But I guess between 1982 and 1990, there were about a thousand deaths in the UK from uh, glue sniffing and other solvent abuse. Really? Um, the first Jeez. instance of solvent abuse in the UK that was documented was by West Scotland Police in 1970. One study by a researcher, Watson, identified 400 cases between 1970 and 1981. Now, that's 400 cases that for one reason or another were documented, a.k.a. you had to go to the hospital, you had to you know, or you died or this or that, or, you know, somebody caught you. And I think, especially in watching some of the documentary footage and stuff about the early 80s UK scene, 
there is something very real to the idea that uh, and the epidemic of glue sniffing in the UK affected this music and the lyrics and like I don't know. It's funny to now, but it like well, I just want to know what kind of shit, what kind of good shit were they hoffing over there? Jesus Christ, I don't, a bunch of different Fucking, things. If they're yeah. like falling out and shit. Like, man, dude, it I mean, I think any subculture, especially with music involved, you have to look at like what drugs people were doing and it can explain a lot, even if it's none at all. I think straight edge, you know, obviously it's relevant, but UK at that time, obviously British people fucking drink a shitload and that puts holes in your brain and it makes oh, you dumb. Yeah. Uh, cocaine, not that popular yet. Didn't get popular until recently. Shout out to the Albanian mafia. It's fucking huge in the UK now, uh, which makes sense because they drink a lot. How about pop? Shout out. Hash. Not really, because it's for hippies. Um, I see. Fucking heroin was around. We talked about Amoebics doing that. But another thing I picked up on is that the death of Sid Vicious, who, by the way, got hooked on heroin in New York because it was bigger there, that made some of these punkers averse to heroin. They were like, that's the I one thing. that junk. It, it killed Sid. I'll, I'm not touching that. Literally that, yeah. Uh, they took a lot of speed that was around in the U.K., and the fucking glue sniffing shit was huge. And if you've ever done that or you know what it does to your brain, I think it explains like why many of these people are not as astute as some of the figures you see from the U.S. at the time. But I love some of these bands and there were smart people there, too. Yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with a little bit of delinquency, but hey, uh, I mean, we've all well, I mean, I don't know if I should speak for everybody here, but I mean, we've indulged. I yeah. did that a couple times when I was younger. I mean, how many kids have done whippets and, and now? And, well, I mean, think about it now. Every single person that I know under like 25, like, vapes. And actually, every person I bad. know over the age of 25 vapes, too. Um, everyone vapes. It is probably very bad for you. Nitrous it probably isn't great for you either. I will. I can't say, imagine it's as bad as glue. It is no, no or gas. like it is at best debatable. Like nitrous, I don't know. They give it to you at the dentist. It's generally not that bad. Like huffing solvents. I I was a drug nerd because in high school I wanted to try and be smart about doing you know. drugs. I was on airwood all the time. I know all this shit. Huffing solvents, glue, paint, gas, whatever. That is legitimately one of the worst things you can do for yourself. Oh, yeah. It's like you're wise. Like yeah. poisoning yourself. And oh, like I cutting mean that, off oxygen to your brain. The gasoline. I mean, that burned my lungs like crazy. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a good burn. It's terrible. It is to a good do. burn. <laughs> so that's another distinction with the UK, I think. Um, so it, that's exploited. I think definitely lays the groundwork for like street punk, and we'll talk about that more later. You mentioned GBH, which I think is a super, super important influential band. Yes. One of the most important ones. They recently are currently touring or have been the U.S.? Exploited are, too, actually. actually really? Yeah, my oh, yeah. Uh, cousin from Philly, I think, actually is either did see them or is going to see them. GBH? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's uh, sick. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I would like to see them. I'm not a big, big GBH fan. But, you know, I mean, with some of these older bands, like, A, if they're still pretty good live, worth seeing. They got tracks. You know, that's another thing. Um, I mean, I would guess they probably got a young, a new drummer. Dude, that's really all it is, bands. Like, get a young drummer or, you know, it is nice that with these older, with this older kind of stuff, I don't think you have to be th that virile to, like, play shit. Oh, not playing, not. You're not playing anything no. crazy. It's just more about, like, is yeah, practice. Yeah. Is this person, like, studied and, like, right. does, does he 
at 55 years old, like, keep playing drums or, you know, maybe if they've never stopped. Has GBH, like, I'm sure they've stopped. They've had hiatuses, but they continued pretty consistently. And even I like some of their, like, the first album's great, obviously. The early singles are great, but the fucking, like, second and third records are pretty good, too. Like, they're, in fact, the second record, City Baby's Revenge, might even be, like, the best one. Like, mm-hmm. and that one was very important. This band, probably more so than any of these bands, except maybe Discharge, was very, very influential in the metal scene because this was a big band. They toured the U.S. a lot to huge shows in L.A. You see fucking Metallica guys, Guns N' Roses. Dark I know Throne. Slayer. Yeah. Slayer covered them. Slayer covered them. Fenris probably has a GBH I'm, backpack. I'm sure they love it. And the other thing with this band is they were probably the least political of these bands. Their lyrics are, again, largely kind of stupid. They sing about horror movies and shit a lot. And don't really talk about anything that matters, which is something they were criticized by Maximum Rock and Roll and others for. But musically, I think this band fucking rocks. It really merges the sort of snot of punk rock with like what Motorhead sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I was gonna say. I feel like there's more of like a you know like a metal hard rock influence with uh, GBH compared to the other two bands. Yeah. Well, but I, the exploited they got kind of metal too. They do later. Yeah. They did that yeah. later though. GBH was doing that in like the early '80s, right? Which was right. pretty unique. But really it, unique. It's a it's a different kind of metal, right? Because because that's exploited. People, that's more like like thrash, like crossover. But like even I, even I with think. the GBH stuff, like and we've talked. We were talking about earlier, but like. With you know, the p- previous episode, we're talking about um, Vatican Commandos. Like, there is some like metal tinge stuff in like the early '80s, but it's not necessarily crossover, right? Per se. Or like, again, going back to how people perceive things now, thrash metal wasn't a thing in the early '80s. So, so all you could take from metal would be like some lead guitar parts and crucially that bass tone from Motorhead. Yeah. Like, I think... It, and maybe some yeah. slicker guitar tones that doesn't sound like fucking fuzz or something like that. Right, a little heavier. That's, That's metal about punk, it. baby. That's about it. Like, you know, GBH, uh, they kind of remind me, or the band that kind of reminds me of GBH, I'm sure you probably guys agree, Genocide? A little bit of that yes. UK-82? I would certainly assume Genocide liked GBH a lot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's some metal punk. English Dogs is another great band, yep. similar category, more metal. They started as like a just classic UK eighty two pogo y punk band and then went more metal. That eighties metal punk style, like I don't know, it's very it's very interesting, I feel honestly. It is because like, it's a weird the mishmashes. Well it's interesting, I think, for the reasons Tyler identified that thrash metal hadn't like crystallized yet. So they're they're they, they know that they want to do metal punk, but I think they themselves didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Other than like a couple things they liked, like oh we liked Black Sabbath, we liked Motorhead. I think Motorhead's influence in the UK eighty two sound is huge. And we'll summarize this time. We're going to wrap up this segment. But spoiler alert! I want to summarize what this stuff sounds like, and then we'll listen to some things. Real, real quick. Go ahead. Could we give a word to our sponsors? Absolutely, because we're about halfway, probably halfway through. I mm-hmm. want to bring up something. You know, if you've ever been a fan of this podcast, you know we got a sponsor, Shirley Road Records. Shout out to CJ. And uh, I want you to go to ShirleyRoadRecords.com to take take a look. Now, we're talking punk, talking UK82. I don't think he has anything UK82. In fact, I'm pretty sure CJ listening right now is probably learning more about UK82. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't, like I said, it's, it's in the modern day, not 
spoken about as well as a a, a D beat or a crust is in terms right of the right. UK it's scene. it's mostly been subsumed as part of street punk. So maybe he yeah. has some street punk. Maybe, maybe he can get some. Punk. But what does he have for now? But I'm just trying to pick up something that kind of links to this here. And something that I did, we have talked about before, and I did like, is that Zipper Fun in the Sun. Yeah, it's a good one. Record. It's kind of got like a little bit of the crusty DBD elements to it. And I guess maybe you could attribute to, a, you know, a UK 82. You could draw the line to that. I think the n- next two bands we're going to mention, definitely you could draw the line. But uh, I want you to go to ShirleyRoadRecords.com, pick up the Zipper Fun in the Sun CD or the tape. You know, if you want to be real punk, you'll get the tape. And use promo code COPPOD10, that's K-O-P-P-O-D-10, to get 10% off your order. Pick up a bunch of different things. He's got some uh, bundle bundle boxes right now. You can get some mystery boxes. He's got a bunch of new stuff coming out, always adding stuff. So, once again, big shout-out to Shirley Road Records. So, the uh, the big three, is a lot of journalists have cited with regards to UK82, or the roots of street punk, were... Exploited GBH, Discharge. We have a whole two-part series on Discharge, so I'm just going to direct everybody to that. Yep. Um, Verrukers is one that gets mentioned that we just mentioned. And I, I think, as you hinted at, really one of the most notable things about this band is they were one of the first bands to just sound like Discharge. Yep. I don't know to what extent. I mean, I'm sure it was intentional. I know they had other influences. But also, you can hear... So that would be, like, important band to the development of D-Beat as a genre... But if you listen to their album, like there's other things you can hear in street punk too. Some of those, mm-hmm. like a big trait in street punk that I like a lot, I think more punk bands should do is the like single note guitar leads. Like oh, I'm not soloing, this is just a catchy little lead. Like that shit rules. You can hear that in Verukers from time to time. They ended up going, especially on that another religion, another war record. Like that's way I I couldn't even. I guess maybe it is. I wouldn't call that a UK two eighty two record because it is so fast and so hard and way past what almost anybody else was doing at that time. I mean, I feel like, yeah, you could almost probably just call it like a hardcore punk record straight up. It is, and I would call most of this stuff hardcore punk in some sense, but that one is like unambiguously just a hardcore punk record. I was reading an MRR issue from 1982 where they're reviewing UK records and really shitting on most of them for being too slow and too stupid, and that is... Actually, no, that was later, but I read a few issues, and that was one record they reviewed very highly. Um, I also liked they had a review of the alternative single by The Exploited where they sum it up where they're like, this band is bad, they're stupid, I hate what they're bringing to the punk scene, it's awful, but the song alternative might be the best song ever written, which I'm glad MRR could admit that because that is an insanely good punk song. That is a front-runner punk track. Top track, as they say. Top track. And I think that track is, is a good place to start in kind of identifying like the musical traits of this genre which we're doing like retroactively as we established i think yeah and again i think defining it versus other things we already know makes the most sense mm-hmm. like how would you compare the exploited to like american hardcore i guess i have some thoughts on this but i'll let you guys start okay you want. so I'm, I'm thinking in my mind american if what i what do i think of when i think of american hardcore so i think of minor threat that's the first mm-hmm. one that came to my mind. That's the first one I thought of. <laughs> Black Flag. Um, Are we talking about, like, which one sounds the most comparatively to them? No, no, no. no. Just, we're just saying we're contrasting, what is, like, what is American oh, hardcore. Okay. So I would say... We say Minor Threat, Black Flag. So stuff like that. Like 
dead Kennedys. Throw kind, that there. It's not necessarily political. It's I guess there's some similarities. It's not 100% political. I don't think Minor Threat's a political band no. necessarily. Um, it's pretty fast. Um, all these bands, I would say, are pretty fast. Um, I would say there's a bit of like, I don't want to say snidiness, I guess, if that's that's not the best word. They've, they're smart asses. They're smart asses. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're they, they're biting in a way. Yes. Um, I'm trying Unlike to think. the exploited. Yes. You, you know. do get that in, the, that in the UK, but not from the bands you're talking about. I would say the Subhumans would be the best example of that. That's like a smart ass right. kind of band. More of the probably leans more on the anarcho. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Crass, different. you could probably throw in there too. Yeah. And. So if I have to compare some of those bands to like the exploited, like see, I don't I don't want to just say it's they're dumb. They are kind of like dumber and like Neanderthalic, mm-hmm. I guess. Like no, that's true. And they aren't as fast, but they're not like slow per se. Right. They're like up. They're upbeat still. Yeah, it's faster than seventy-seven stuff for the most part. Um. They do have some more, like, uh, I was listening to Troops of Tomorrow. They got a couple, like, slower, you know, b- slow I burners. Mean, the song, Troops of Tomorrow, that's, no, I love that song. It's a good song. Even though it is a cover. Yes. It's, I would say that is a hallmark of this genre. And U- U.S. bands do this, too, but having a couple dirgy tracks yeah, is yeah. huge with this genre. I would agree with everything you said. The one thing I would add that I noticed in listening to this is, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, I feel like U.K. bands were more attached to traditional like pop or rock song structures yeah like, i would UK agree 82 bands all have big choruses always yeah minor threat doesn't like they don't have it in like that normal sense in that pop like big sense no and other u.s bands barely have it like it especially yeah. once you get to 83 84 you start having u.s bands where they're doing the just the Almost like micro songs. It's just a fast little song. Yeah, like I'm thinking of Poison Idea. I'm thinking of Pick Your King. Mm-hmm. Like there's definitely choruses, but like it's it's yeah, it's not a sing along like no, whatsoever. No. I, what, I mean, I can think of maybe like Dead Kennedys. I think they were pretty good with that. Yes, yeah. again, and, uh, yeah. Bad Brains too. I think they definitely they had some of that. Yeah, for sure. It's one of those things where it's like the differences. That we're seeing in this very specific era, because even the difference between some of the bands aren't very aren't huge. There's not like valleys in between them, and even so, the difference between American and UK stuff, you would have to really the average person or punk fan might not know unless they've done their know their history. Like we can definitely tell. Like I would say, a big thing too with a lot of the UK bands, it's the recordings are like. More raw, but also more produced. I feel like yes. their drums always sound pretty fucking good for some reason. Even if um, they're playing terrible, it's yeah. well recorded, which is, yeah, that's a good point. The guitars like, are cr- like kind of crazier sounding. Yes. Like, it's like they're it's like they have worse equipment, but they're trying to do a better job with the production. Yeah. Uh, which makes for a very weird right. effect. As opposed to uh, American, where it's like, oh, they have better... Uh, pro- production value, but they have no idea how to like properly record. Like, right, right. Band. You know what it is? It might be. I I think the whole size thing makes a big difference. You have a bunch of bands from a bunch of different places in the U.S. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people don't know really what's going on. U.K. Probably a bunch of these bands are going to a bunch of the same studios. 
bunch of these studio engineers are probably talking to each other. Like, hey, this fucking band came in here last month. You know, I did this thing. Oh, what did you do? Oh, okay, well, you know, it was a fucking racket, but, you know, I'll try, it's not, it doesn't sound that bad. It's like, okay, well, shit, maybe when these bands come in, and especially if they're like a band like Vice Squad or something like that, it's like, oh, major label money now. Right, Or, ooh, right. bigger label money. Oh, the label is giving them money to do something, this fucking yeah, 12-inch. Yeah, in the case of that band, yeah. Like, like Clarsh. Yeah, so, and I, I think they, because there was already a fairly solid history, the punk foundation, it just kind of, it's like a trampoline. It helps them sound kind of better. Yeah, even if they couldn't play. Like, I, in thinking about this, the sort of thesis I put together explanation was that, like, I think most of the musical differences you can hear and the differences you can observe in the subculture are, are can be traced to, again, uniquely British things we don't. Yeah have have here like specifically british class society like class has always been such a big thing there that literally people speak differently depending on where they come from and what their background is that prefigures you to have a degree of tribalism that we don't have here you know in america we love i think the my pillow guy he's a billionaire and he talks like a fucking villager like we yeah. we've always had that here those fucking rich guys in the south they were fucking hayseeds in many right, ways they sound ridiculous but, in the UK, it's not like that. So you have this tribalism, but also when we talk about it being stupid, which I don't even mean in a derogatory way because I love a lot of stupid things. Some of that, I think, has to do with a self-conscious identification with like the working class, whatever that means, mm -hmm. and wanting to make music that's accessible to the kids on the street to cite, you know, a Blitz song. Yeah. And that's also makes sense that you would have the big sing-along choruses that sound like football chants. Versus in the U.S. where, and none of this is a value judgment, it's just an observation. The U.S. it's maybe more like, well, I want to say what I want to say, and I think the only people who are going to hear it are my friends, so I'm just going to say it how we would say it. As opposed to, I guess it's a populist impulse with UK82 that you don't get as much in the U.S. Yeah. Which has to do with, it, yeah, different society, class society, and uh, that, you know, ma makes sense that the subculture would follow that. I, I agree. Um should we listen to some? Yeah, some let's good take a quick break and then we're going to listen to some bands other than the ones we've talked about that are lesser known. Okay. Hello, it's one of your hosts, Tyler Hammer here. I'm going to let you know about one of our sponsors, Shirley Road Records. CJ has been whipping up some cool stuff and you're not going to want to miss this. First, you're going to go to ShirleyRoadRecords.com. I know you can do that. You're listening on your phone. You're playing on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever the hell. Go to ShirleyRoadRecords.com. Check out the new pre-orders he has up for Sleep Torture and Slug Salter. You know, really get it spiced up there. Sleep Torture, uh, kind of metallic hardcore stuff from Greensboro, North Carolina. If you like Cult Leader, Gaza Converge, you're probably going to dig them. Uh, peep them out. They've had a couple things out before. Slug Salter is a rawly grime black metal sludge kind of band. If you like Fluoride, Closet Witch, and even early Cloud Rat, Cloud Rat, uh, you're going to probably like that. Definitely check that out. These will be coming out on the 17th and the 24th, respectively. Then, there will be a Blood Note collab album dropping on May the 13th. Friday the 13th. Ooh, kind of scary. And that should be today. Um, or maybe another day. Maybe this is two weeks ago. Uh, Shirley Rhodes has plenty of disco items as well to choose from. So you can pick up pre-order. You can pick up some LPs, some other tapes, some other CDs from 
stuff from like Live a Lie Records, No Time Records, we have the Promise Act Productions, various other labels. CJ's always getting new stuff, so check that out. And use promo code COPPOD10. That's K-O-P-P-O-D-1-0 to get 10% off your entire order. And you can visit shirleyworldrecords.bandcamp.com to hear what CJ has released as well in the prior releases. And give them a follow on Instagram at shirleyroadrecords. That's S-H-I-R-L-E-Y Road Records. Thanks for listening. Peace. All right, we're back. And I'm going to be having these guys because I'm probably most well-versed in this subgenre here, even though these guys know their stuff pretty well. But I'm going to play a couple kind of more obscure things that maybe they haven't heard before and maybe you haven't heard before. And we'll see what uh, my co-hosts think. And uh, feel free to let us know what you thought if you haven't heard this before. So we're going to start with the band Special Duties from, uh, I think, Northeast England, you said, or Southeast England? Southeast. Not London really is the crucial thing. Uh, this band is interesting because they weren't that well-known at the time. Pretty short-lived group, but I think you can hear their influence later in street punk. They did in the 90s go play at CBGB. Um, funny anecdotes about this band would be they have a song called Bullshit Crass that got them a lot of attention because it was a diss track about Crass because they were self-righteous uh, political people or whatever. I do like how a lot of these bands seem to do uh, diss tracks. Yes, These English yes. bands. I mean, Wadi talked a ton of shit. More diss tracks. More diss tracks. Also, Special Duties, they got their name because that's like a name of like a prefect in England, some part of the police or something. And one of them, after their band started, like found or stole a bunch of badges that said Special Duties on them. And they were like, oh, well, if we call our band that, we'll save money on getting badges made. So that was their band name. Um, and I'm going to play something from the title track from their Police State EP, okay. which I think came out in 82, 81 or 82. A uh, short little one minute or so song, and uh, we'll see what you guys think. So this is Special Duties doing Police State. All right, so it was Special Duties. Uh, band, I've been, in, in the lead-up to this episode, kind of what helped inspire this, I've been jamming this band a lot. So I'm curious what you guys thought of that. So I think a big defining thing about UK82, this kind of era stuff too, that is very different from the American hardcore, is a, a big thing is the, them leaning into the British stuff because they are very much sounding British. Mm-hmm. Like the vocalist... Oh, I don't, oh, I, I don't, oh, yeah, you know, doing that kind of fucking thing, like really leaning into it. Which I think prior, is, prior to the '77 punk thing, 
no one in the UK had ever done that. Yeah. It was unheard of right, for a British trying singer. to hide it. it yeah, dude, you want a, a no one had ever not audiences. hit it. The Beatles kind of sounded British. That was the most you got. But that, and then there's something that we all agreed on that we definitely had to talk about, which is that drum beat. What we now know as the Tupa Tupa, I guess. The dupe chick. The, the dupe chick. Dupe chick, dupe chick, dupe chick, dupe chick, dupe chick. Like it's, but not even with those floors. It's just like a straight dupe chick, dupe chick, dupe chick, dupe chick, dupe chick. Here's an, another thing I will say because people get this wrong a lot with with uh, some some drum beat, the D beat. A lot of people say that Swedish death metal is like influenced by D beat. The frank, frankly, it's not because the drum beat they don't ever really use a D beat like in the traditional sense. What they do do, and I think is the heavy metal drum beat. Which has a slight, which has that flourish, but it's usually by means of double kick. I would say exactly, and I think that's what throws people off. So this is a similar. The, the thing, the beauty about the dupe trick is that it is so plain. It's not fast, but again, it's not slow. It's well, like, like the definition of mid pace. It's like a pogo beat, and what's weird is that now it's like the gel beat, and like. I don't understand that because it just doesn't make sense to me that you yeah. would have right. it in a band that isn't like what we just heard. They don't utilize it in a way that like would make people want to pogo. Like I remember hearing Kulo do the dupe chick beat, and it got me fucking hyphy as but fuck because it reminded the thing me is, of this kind of shit. They they beefed it up because that's like one of the first bands I think of when I think yeah I think of that I think of the one song on the seven inch and it's like dupe chick dupe chick dupe chick dupe chick and it's like yeah it's just like a beefed up you know UK eighty two beat pretty much. Um, yeah. So yeah, the I think the drum beat is very important. The classic UK D two kind of riff, where it's just repeats. It it doesn't like resolve itself. It's barely a riff. Do, 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 do. They don't build on right, it at all. The chorus is like yeah. Bang, 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 I played bang, one of their bang, more bang, like bang. Neanderthal songs. They have ones that are a little, but not really. I mean, but that's the thing. Like even their other songs are still very stripped down riffs. If anything, they add like backing vocals to spice it up. Like yeah. riff oriented hardcore didn't exist for a few more years after this. Although we might hear some in a second or in a few minutes. Yeah, that's I that's a good it's a good song. It's a good punk it's like that's punk rock. For me for me, the vocalist in special duties is what makes it. There's no and this is like you hear this in the casualties in a lot of later street punk, like just the vocals are way more abrasive and tougher than they need to be for something yeah. that's almost like a poppy sounding song. Yeah. Like he did not have to go that hard. He's fucking shredding his shit. Yeah, it's like that Drake picture. It that is <laughs> He did not what song what song does he need to do that for? Um well, what we got next. So I'm going to play a band that I know you guys have heard before, but I think they're just a little too important to like this sound for me to not play at least for our listeners. We're going to listen to the band One Way System. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the earliest like true street punk bands, early '80s, uh, UK band, notable for a number of reasons. Uh, they came to the U.S. They were supposed to tour the U.S. with the Circle Jerks, but then I think Keith Morris broke his leg, so One Way System played one gig in Los Angeles, came home and b- broke up. Um, I think I'm gonna play the song Jerusalem. That's a good catchy one. Uh, we here will watch the video for it, but you'll just get the audio for the song Jerusalem by One Way System from the album All Systems Go. Released 1983, but this was a band that was around in 82 and I think even 81. 
So this is one way system. Yeah, they, or it said it said somewhere they're UK punks in '79. A lot of these bands started in '79. Yeah. I think '79 is when pretty much all these bands like decided, "Oi, let's start a fucking band." And then like and then it didn't take off died until after that. Thirty seconds after, and my like, British accent keeps getting worse. Oi, but that's okay. Oi, mate, it keeps leaning either band. more Australian or more Baltimore and less British. I gotta. Hey, get yo, let's start a punk band. My that's, name's that's fucking band. Waddy. Yeah, you won't fucking star a punk band. Dude. I was just listening. I was listening to some old Comptown episodes where they do the gay retarded jackass or whatever, and so, so now I'm so good. Oh well, we're uh, bam. And oh, this is suck a. Oh. I'm not, no, I, yeah, don't do. We, yeah, we can't do. That's a uh, one way system. Oh, some one way system. One one way system. <laughs> One-way system with uh, the song Jerusalem. I will say I, I actually didn't listen to it because um, I am doing a, a BDS. Um, it's called Jerusalem, so I have to uh, boycott um, that ah, song. I see. Um, okay. <laughs> no, no. Just the goof. Uh, I, no. think, I think the lyrics, this band's lyrics are l- less dumb than a lot of UK2 bands. I think... 
it was it's a song about like a punk club and i think it's supposed to be some kind of metaphor and because they were exiled it's about like getting banned from a club so i guess my interpretation of it would be like oh they're like the jews exiled from egypt by bouncers we're just like the club, yeah whatever, yeah damn um no that's that's a good i've heard definitely heard that song before you wait one way system good band good catchy fucking chorus and i think that's a big thing um catchy chorus repeated it's not the two and a half almost three minute long song it's this is interesting that it has kind of like a breakdowny part yes it goes you know like almost like a weird oi yeah with that guitar work yeah it's got that and yeah that's a good point like none of these bands have tempo changes most of the time even discharge doesn't really do that and this band they it's that that song is like one of the few times i could even find it anywhere that anybody does that uh tim made a good point that the because we were watching video the singer's band had a lot of tattoos for 1983 i don't really know that guy's background but i know that he looks pretty tough him and wadi were the two kind of tough looking guys He's got some kind of broy posture in the video, which I appreciate. Bro, bro, you sp- you spilled my fish and chips over. Yeah, he doesn't come off like a glue sniffer. He comes off like he could have uh, been in the Scotland Yard if he didn't become a punk. I mean, that guy—he looks like he's seen plenty of uh, you know football brawls. Ball brawls, people throwing glasses, just getting spit on them. I think the gnarliest one is the guy from Last Resort whose eye is still fucked up from getting a dart through it, like a dart like at a pub. Like somebody Yikes. actually fucking threw that shit and it hit him. In I don't the know eye if he like threw that. it. I think he got like jabbed. Oh man. Ugh. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, and they use those Nasty. steel tips over there. I would say the the craziest part about the whole UK is the the or maybe not just the UK, but like back then, like the amount of violence from the fans to the bands is like unheard of. Like anywhere Something, else in human history, is some, unheard of. We've that I mean the the U.S. kind of I think a lot of places maybe dabbled in that to varying degrees maybe more in the U.S. than maybe a lot of other places but like damn like the idea of spitting on like the band is something you would never hear today that would no. never happen no you'd no. get you'd get thrown out and uh, can you would you would get like you you would make the only thing you can do is make a Twitter a, a tweet about it or something like that. That's how you. Right, I, mean, I saw a guy spitting on the, the band at but the show tonight. Also, it kind of goes to like the idea that, um, back in the day, you would these bands would just people would just go to shows. I guess it's like yeah, I was going to go to the show, see what happens. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm going to look even, for trouble. Now but, it's like people go looking for trouble. Yeah. Now it's like I will only go to a show if I know I like every single band. And they're my friends, and they and, love me. And, and they also, pay me to come in. Yeah. And also, I'm not going now because I want to watch Barry on HBO. Right. Right. <laughs> on Netflix, um, not even HBO. Netflix. Is that on Netflix? Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <I'm just making laughs> it's, it. <laughs> it's now on Netflix, folks. Yeah. Folks, it's on Netflix. But One Way System, good band. Definitely yeah, worth good, good, good production, too. Good guitar work, uh, very big sounding, and definitely one that I can hear in modern street punk. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything in mind. I, for like a third selection, there were a few different directions I was thinking about going. Uh-huh. You may present them and see what you guys are feeling. Sure. So there is a kind of weird, more obscure band called The Destructors that I think we could speak on a little bit. In the realm of bands that were big at the time and even in one case came to the U.S. but don't get talked about as much as the sort of big three we covered before, there's also Vice Squad who were on a major label, sold mm-hmm. like 20,000 copies of their shit. 
Uh, I am also sorely tempted. I'm also, it's bothering me that we didn't talk about the anti-Nowhere League because this band is really funny and Metallica covered them. Hmm. I would do Vice, I would say Vice Squad because um, they, they, I remember we talked about them a little bit when uh, Discharge, or I think on their second tour when they played Canada. Yeah, they, they did a lot shows of with them. with them, yeah. Um, so they're, they are important. Um, and I think if we can revital, maybe be part of the Vice Squad revitalization. The revitalization. You know? I don't know if that's what we're going to want to do, but but we could. <laughs> we're going to no, do let's it. Give it a shot. I mean, we could also listen to one of their classic tracks and then listen to the cover of Enter Sandman they did in the '90s. Really? And then we're getting yes. our Metallica quotient without Anti Nowhere League. That's awesome. Even though Anti Nowhere League is so Top funny. That. Why don't we end the episode with the Metallica cover? Let's listen to uh, uh, an, uh, one of their classic songs. Uh, one of the classic okay. Vice Squad songs. Vice Squad. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to play the song Out of Reach from their LP. Yeah. I, probably their best known song and maybe my favorite is the song Last Rockers, but it's like four minutes long, which ever since I started listening to this band as a teenager, my one gripe has been songs are a little too long. But yeah, I out, was, out of Reach is a banger. When I was listening to Exploited, I think the other day I was like, mm. I that's what I'm saying, man. It's because they're, they, they're stuck on the regular song structures yeah. where you have to have three choruses and, you know. But they don't have the kick-ass melodies of uh, some of the you know, more popular, more actual pop stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so this now is... I like that thumbnail three from where you are yeah, right now. Yeah, that guy. Okay, that why is that the mix, sick. man? My YouTube algorithm is so <laughs> yeah, fucking we've, fucked. We've, right anyway. now. I hated it. It is way fucked. Here we could go play the the first. So one this or is now. out of reach from the Stand Strong, Stand Proud LP on Riot City that Vice Squad did in 1982. All right. That was Vice Squad doing Out of Reach. As Tyler observed, they had a lady singing. A lady named Becky Bondage, who, as I understand it, was quite the like punk 
heartthrob for all the little pubescent boys who were into this stuff, both in the U.S. and the U.K. Shooting Man. into their glue bags. Shooting times, into their glue bags. Times they aren't a-changing, huh, folks? I gotta say, <laughs> though, my favorite thing about that song, those blast beat sections at the beginning and end. Yes. Yes, yes. the very obnoxiously loud snare drum. Like you are right though, how it's like, damn, they they really recorded these drums great. Like the, everything was yeah. pretty crystal clear. Like, and not even like, I don't, not always like great. Like it sounds good, but like every like, it feels like UK stuff always like pops at the very least. Yeah, it has a heft to it that I feel like American stuff doesn't this, really. They know it's like it needs to have a good backbeat. You know, you gotta have that beat right to be jumping up and down. Yeah. This I don't know if it was I think it was this album. One of their records, EMI, that they signed with to much controversy in the punk scene. EMI wanted to send them to Abbey Road Studios to record. And they like turned it down because it's the Poxy Beatles. And why would we do that? Which they they later regretted as adults. Like, man, we were so fucking stupid that we didn't just go do that. Like also it's the Poxy Beatles, but they can make you sound however you want. Like just go do it. They know you gotta do. You gotta have uh, tambourines and uh, whimsical piano. That's probably what they thought was gonna happen. It was gonna be bleeding Sergeant Peppers. So, yeah. so this band was um, basically what I'm trying to get at here is that this band was maybe pushed on some like, oh, uh, hot lady singer. I think that was part of their appeal. It was a mix of that and having you know, more accessible songs in contrast to something like the Verukers or any number of God awful things that I'm not playing on this episode, mm-hmm. but I was tempted to. Yeah. Pretty accessible. Still kind of, kind of got an edge to it though. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was, that was more, um, yeah, there was like a, like a nice little punch to that. The, there's a couple songs like that on the LP that are a little punchier where this band gets a little weaker is again, the songs that are good, but should have been like a third shorter. And then also um, when they cover Enter Sandman. Yeah, that's what we're going to close with is that cover. But I do. I like Becky Bondage's voice, actually. She, she's a good singer, uh, especially for this style. I think her kind of dressing like a dominatrix. Yeah, it, was, it made sense to feel like they, one of their records sold like 20,000 copies in the UK. Like it was this was a, a big band, which, mm. again, w- weird to us. But punk, it, you know, it had been this you know national panic slash phenomenon slash craze i mean twenty thousand. that's like what like uh you know 90 percent of the population outside of london there probably yeah (laughs) and uh yeah good good example of kind of shit that wouldn't happen here would have been subsumed into new wave here i guess i don't know if this is their blondie or what but yeah i apps they definitely would have probably tried to lean that direction i'm surprised they kind of didn't because Blind was definitely around around this time. Oh yeah, they, they were, they were so, yeah. yeah. But New Wave, I mean, I guess maybe New Wave was kind of a way to mass market punk in the U.S. And I guess you could, to some degree, to a limited degree, most of the stuff we've been listening to was on independent labels in one way or another. But in the U.K., I think New Wave was not something that was mass marketable. Post punk and New Romantic were kind of. I mean, post punk mm-hmm. they didn't call it that, but you know what I mean. Like now, what's New Romantic? That's I don't know as much about it as I should, but I know like the big one is Adam and the Ants. Like okay. after they were a punk band, like guys who dressed like that, um, and were like wearing that weird Baroque shit or whatever. I this of the UK youth subcultures that is the one I'm most ignorant about, and I should bone up on it. For but, good reason, honestly, that seems kind of dumb. I mean, it's all pretty dumb to be fair. <laughs> 
I like Adam, they're what they're trying to be like like fucking medieval peasants or something. No, I think it's like a medieval like you know I think it's like a Victorian dandy kind of vibe. I could be wrong. I'm sure someone who listens to us knows about this and could tell me about it. That's Adam. This is Adam. Yeah, Tyler just showed me a picture where he looks like a huge fucking freak. Yeah, it, they definitely look like huge freaks. But that's that was, this like is his like hair, a, his hair looks like a hat. Um, pretty sure. Are you sure this isn't fucking running wild? Oh no, they had pirate vibes. I know New Romantic is like pirate adjacent. Damn, I that's think. crazy. I think. That's so weird because they and then yeah. they were doing that shit in the in the nineteen eighties and or and before too. Maybe seventy nine. I'm tempted to say seventy nine. Well, I'll have to investigate that further, and we'll we'll dig into all these youth subcultures because yeah. they're all really interesting. Anyway, not to get off topic. Yeah. No, that's okay. okay. We're 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 about to wrap up, but uh, yeah, there's lots more of this genre, and I think. It, some of the bands, I think GBH and Exploited, will probably come back to both of those with full episodes of their own because there's a lot to dig into there, especially Exploited, a lot of great stories. And uh, there's a lot of more obscure bands that I wish I could have spent some time on and even whatever, but maybe we'll post a playlist or something and I'm sure they'll come up in other contexts. We might tackle some of these labels at a later date too, Riot City Records, a lot of, of you know stuff like that. But we just wanted to kind of give you guys an overview because I think understanding what the fuck we're talking about if we say UK82, again, a term I'm not thrilled with, but mm-hmm. we have to use, you know, I've, some of our listeners might not quite know what that is. And I think we've equipped them to know what that is now. Yeah. Now now it's part of your, your vocabulary now when you say you your can. lexicon. Because you know, what's, the, what's the one band? Savage Heads. Yeah. Like that stuff sounds like UK 82 kind of stuff. I was listening to that thing today. It's so good. It doesn't sound like American hardcore necessarily. Like, and I'm sure there's, who knows what, unless I've, I haven't read an re- interview with them. I don't know what their influences are, but it's it was when you told me about that, it's like, oh, it's kind of cool that there are bands that are sick that are channeling this and they aren't street pop that band. I don't know that much about the person. I know some of them were in male nurses, so I know enough to know they are, Unlike maybe these bands in the UK who had just grown up listening to UK subs and Sex Pistols, those guys in Savage Heads here in Boston 2022 do have other influences. Yeah. And I think that comes across in the LP because that Savage Heads LP from last year basically just takes all the best things from what we're talking about here today and distills it down with the best things from like American hardcore and every other kind of punk. So yeah, if you want to check out a new LP, that is up on Spotify now, which is good because it's fucking you can't find a copy anywhere. Yeah. So Savage Head, service to your country, highly recommended. Uh, once again, kingsofpunk.com, Cop Pod official on Instagram, Kings of Punk Pod on Twitter. Let us know what you yeah. think of this and what you'd like us to cover in the future. You know, aside from Anti Nowhere League, which we're going to be doing a three part series on. Yep. Uh, and we are going to close with uh, the Vice Squad cover of Enter Sandman that I haven't dared to listen to yet. But thank you for listening. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe those that I hear some maybe don't, I didn't know, came out recently. To only related, Cult Rituals on uh, Spotify now. So. I thought you were going to say they had a new album. I was like, Cult Rituals still uh, a band? There's a fucking planet in my on. Yeah, right. That'd be fucking. Yeah, dude. I mean, I'll say this. We're about three to four years from that happening, that era of hardcore reuniting possibly it's fucking the stuff now just sounds like a bad version of that stuff anyway yeah that's perfect they gotta come back and like you know slay them show them what the fuck is up 
Uh, yeah, go uh, go you know stab him, cult ritual. Let's go do it. St- stab him. We're gonna rock out with Listen, some inner Sandman with Becky Bondage is, real quick. Get on your we'll motorcycles you and your four wheelers for this, folks. Yeah, go up Monroe <laughs> Ave with fifty <laughs> other people. Stab, <laughs> stab people on your four wheeler. It's punk rock, baby. Hey, I think that was that was pretty good. I think we're that was, that was really good. Are you still recording? Yeah, but no. yeah, but we'll we'll get out of this. Go!